0: I would like to acknowledge the mothers of this land, the elders, their wisdom, their knowing, and my own elders and teachers. Welcome back, everyone. Just recently in a coaching call, I heard from a mama whose child is now 30 years old that she wonders if she had understood matrescence, whether she would have got divorced. It was a pretty powerful statement to make and something I've thought about myself in my own marriage and experience of parenthood and I know so many of us think about. Because the fact is that becoming a parent is one of the biggest stresses on a relationship. And what would be different if we could communicate about those changes differently? How how would things work out if we understood the changes in each other, in our relationship, and the stresses and challenges of parenthood? It's a huge question, which we won't really be able to answer, what if I had known? But what I do want to explore in this interview that you're about to hear is how we navigate the changes Of matrescence and struggles in our relationship, perhaps even the ending of it. I'm speaking to in this interview with Sally Ann Hartnell. She is a relationship and divorce coach, a divorced mama herself with two adult children, and she works with women in different stages of struggles with their relationship, looking at how to communicate, how to change unhealthy patterns whether to stay or not, and if the relationship ends, how to find yourself again on the other side. The similarities between the ending of a marriage and the beginning of motherhood is often quite surprising to me because both of these times in our life need support, understanding, compassion and grace. It is a change in who we are and that can be scary and lonely, but on the other side, you find out who you really are. I loved this interview with sally Ann. I hope you do too. Hey. Welcome to the podcast, sally Ann. It's so lovely to see you again. Thank you so much. I'm a little bit nervous about this conversation because I haven't spoken much about the end of my marriage. I've shared small parts of it and to be completely honest, right up front, it's still something I'm working through, trying to understand healing from. So I'm hoping that we can get through this conversation without too many tears from me, but let's see how we go because it's a huge topic and every single time. I talk to a mama, whether she is a brand new mama in a group program or one-on-one client or anything in between, the impact on our relationships in early motherhood, in early matrescence, comes up so quickly. It is such a huge source of challenge, of emotion, of worry during this process of raising our babies. So let's dive in. Let's talk about your experience of motherhood and matrescence and the end of your marriage, if that's okay, and we'll both get through this.
1: <laughs> we'll get through it. And if tears, so be it.
0: <laughs> that's okay, exactly. So Sally Ann, share with us your experience of becoming a mama first.
1: I became a mama almost 21 years ago. My First baby will turn 21 in a week Um, and second baby was born two and a bit years later in Hong Kong. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like I was really, really young when I had my first child, but we had been together, Michael, her dad and I had been together for, we'd been married for seven years when she was born. So we'd we'd lived and played and loved and travelled and done a lot of great stuff. Um, It felt like we were pretty rock solid. But when Eva arrived, my experience of matrescence was holy fuck (laughs) and overwhelm Mm. and a feeling that I had just no idea what I was doing. I did have some really amazing mentor mummers around me, my own mum, my sister, my bestie. Um, But Michael was very much... Raised, he was raised by a really strong mother and a grandmother in the home, and his dad was very hands off, and so that was his model. Um, and I can remember having a conversation with him where he answered me, "But you're the mum, you you should know the answer to this kind of thing." Um, and i was just like, "Man, I got no idea. I've got no idea." Um, I I relatively quickly tipped into what I can now see. Was postnatal anxiety, really anxious around a sleep cycle, really focused on and Eva, Eva was amazing and wonderful and gorgeous and all the things, but she only slept in 45 minute increments. And you know, for me that was wrong, and I was constantly trying to fix it. So there was a lot of pressure I felt to to fix this sleep cycle rather than just roll with it and live through it and nurture mm. myself through it, but to get it right and to get that thing right. Um, so I probably put a, a lot of pressure on myself. Oh, yes. Um, and there were knock-on effects mm. in terms of how that impacted all areas of my life, including my, my relationship with Ava's dad.
0: Oh, that brings back memories, that anxiety around the sleep cycle on the 45-minute. I remember so vividly as if it was yesterday and it was 15 years ago, looking at the clock and it being 44 minutes and thinking, oh, she's going gonna to sleep through. She's actually going to do it. And then on the dot, that clock would click over to 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And the anxiety. And I really, really agree with this idea that it was something that was broken and we needed to fix it because all of the books and everybody says they need to sleep longer than 45 minutes and you, I was obsessed with trying to push past that. Um, and, gosh, looking back what that did to me, my nervous system, my confidence, my ability to enjoy those first months and year or so of motherhood, yeah I can see the impact that that had back then as well, and the flow-on effect to my relationship for sure
1: what did it do for you? there was a lot of there was a lot of stress but I think for mm. in terms of impact on relationship, I think it was the second Baba, combined with being really isolated being in another country um, in terms of Birth stories, completely different. Um, Eva arrived in a very big hurry, um, almost didn't make it anywhere. A, uh, she was born in a bathroom mm. um, over a toilet and Elliot was much more controlled and <laughs> we do laugh about it now but uh, there was a bit of trauma involved <laughs> there too. Elliot was much I'm more sure. controlled and in, in lots of ways a lot more support, a lot more support in the hospital and then at home we were living an expat life we had a live-in helper which sounds fabulous um but again in terms of impact on our marriage our relationship mike was able to be mike was able to be absent a lot more because he felt i had the support in the home and i do remember saying to him i don't want that support i want you um, so I mm. think the impact on our marriage and on our, on our relationship was that perfect storm of two children, high-flying career, capacity to be absent because I, in inverted commas, had the support, um, but I felt very mm. isolated and very alone. Um, Elliot was another actively awake child. <laughs> um, I handled it better mm. the second time because it was like, well, he, he will sleep. Eventually he will sleep.
0: Did you have... A big career, a big sense of who you were before motherhood, as well. Was there a massive change in your sense of self, on top of that isolation, sleep deprivation, anxiety?
1: Yes, I had, I had a really strong sense of who I was, um, in all in all senses of the word, um, including my career. I was a physiotherapist, and I actually really loved my job. Um, the part of my job I loved the most was the connection with other humans, other people, talking to them, learning their stories, um, and helping, you know, helping solve a particular problem and then waving them on their way. So, yes, I had lost that. Um, that had been impact, but, again, that had been impacted in different ways prior to becoming a mum. Um, I guess the biggest impact for me on my career had been marrying Mike and becoming much more of a trailing spouse. Um, I was ready for a break from my career when Eva was born, but family circumstances, career decisions from Mike meant that I never went back to that career. So looking back, there was a massive loss for me in terms of becoming a mumma and then becoming a single mum. Huge, huge impact on my sense of self as a working person, a working woman, uh, because Mike was fly and fly out when the children were small mm-hmm. and when they were with me, they were with me. And um, so there was not a lot of space to develop or redevelop or reset a career once I was a mama.
0: As I said at the beginning of this interview, It doesn't take very long whenever I speak to a mama at any stage, whether they have 30-year-old children or three-year-old children, to reflect on the impact of early parenthood on their marriage and how they felt about their partner. I don't know if you've heard it or not yet, but recently I was listening to some press that Michelle Obama is doing around her new book and she talks at length in that new book about how she actually hated Barack for the first 10 years of parenthood, (laughs) Mm. resented how big his career was getting while she had to give up so much, resented how little he was there, even though he was doing the best he could and actually running the whole world in many ways. (laughs) I love her honesty um, on the impact of the separate careers and separate lives so much for this very traditional um, heterosexual relationship, of course, but the impact on this feeling of you get to go on and do whatever you're here to do and continue as if nothing has changed. And I am here dealing with all of the change. And my God, I respect her for being so honest because it's what we all have felt in those early years. And when you look back at that now, is that core to what eventually changed your marriage and your relationship? And how do you view that now? Because you also
1: listen to so many others' experience through this. It is core, that that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Of, and, and for me, it's twofold. Yes, it was motherhood, but it was also before that. Um, it was... I, the night we got engaged, Michael's father said to me, you know, you'll have to sacrifice for his career. So mm. I, I just thought that was bullshit. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, but it, <laughs> it ended I'm not going to do that. Not quite <laughs> I'm not doing that. I think I said something along the lines of, oh, well, you know, we'll both be making compromises and sacrifices and we'll make it work. Um, ended up being quite prophetic. So as I said, for me, it was twofold. It was... Michael's career initially and then the crash of motherhood that added on to the fact that I did not have a career. So, yes, I think at the core it was those those things combined. Um, But as I said, we had seven years together before the children arrived. It was when the kids arrived that it kind of went boom.
0: And so when did uh, your marriage, when did that happen? How old were your children when, when the end
1: came? They were four and six. Mm-hmm. Um, it had been rocky for a little while. And, uh, yeah, four and six, seven and five, that kind of age.
0: And what was that
1: experience
0: like for you personally, just thinking about the women that are listening who are going through this at the moment What was that like for you
1: looking back at it now? There were elements of it that just didn't change. We were so, we as in Eva Elliott and I were so very used to their dad being absent for really long periods of time that some things just didn't change and it actually in some ways became easier because as a fly-in, fly-out dad, he would come home and basically disrupt, disrupt, you know, a nice little rhythm or routine, and it was a lovely disruption. It was great to have him back, and the kids loved it, but it would take a while for the four of us then to settle into the four, and then he'd leave and it would take a little while for the three of us to drop back into the three. So there was an element of, oh, we don't have to do that anymore. We did actually end up having to do it, of course, because change over times. Um, but it just became very much me. Um, and I needed to really build strong supports around me, other mamas mostly, um, because if something happened in the middle of the night, for example, Michael wasn't there. He was actually in another country or another state. Um, so really building those supports became crucial and building them even more strongly once we'd separated. Um, and then after some, about 12 months after we'd separated, I moved, I moved to a new community um, half an hour from where we'd been and started rebuilding and that was when I really found me again.
0: That's what I'd love to hear because I think we can reflect on what if we had known differently, what if we'd had conversations with our partner, what if we'd known about matrescence. Just recently a mama with... A 30-year-old said to me, if I'd known matrescence, I wonder if I'd even have got divorced. I wonder how differently things could have worked out. And I think I've thought those things, if I'd known differently 10, 15 years ago, I wonder how things would work out. Who knows? We can't really spend too much time thinking about that but what I'd love to really hear from you because this is where you work now in the space of supporting women through the experience of separation and divorce and finding themselves again on the other side what was that process like how did you begin to rebuild and reclaim yourself at that point
1: well firstly amy I wish I'd had I wish I'd had a coach to coach me through it that would be the first thing because I bumbled through I tried, I failed, I made mistakes, which is life, right? Um, as I said, I moved communities and I think that really helped. It helped me be able to just redefine, okay, how do I want to live? How do I want a mother? How do I want a parent? How do I want to create an income? What do I want for my children? And that was actually part of the decision to move, Um And I just started incrementally choosing things that brought me simple joy, really simple joy. In in the mess and the beauty that is single parenting two small preschool, school-aged children, Um, just trying to find things that really brought me joy, simple joys each day, carving out little pockets in the chaos of single parenting, just carving out a little pocket of time and trying to tap back into what was it back then, way back before, what was it that brought me joy, and not trying to recreate that, but trying to recreate the feeling of that. Yeah, what was that thing? So, you know, if a, I loved to draw as a as a young kid and a person, so if the kids were drawing, I'd be drawing too. Just re, trying to reclaim the joy of the simple things that were part of who I was prior to motherhood, again, without trying to to go back there, but just grab the feelings.
0: I love that you've said that because so much of what we talk about with matrescence is it's this huge change in identity and we keep feeling like we want to go back to who we were we're waiting for this period of time where you know once the baby starts sleeping or once we go to work or once this happens then I'll feel like myself again and we never will because that's what this experience is and it's similar to all of the changes major changes in our life you know when we get married we become a new version of ourselves, and we will never be that unmarried pre-married person again and then when that ends That is both an ending of that identity and a start of the new. We don't do that very well either in our culture and our society. There is still so much. And, you know, considering our divorce rates, it's surprising still how much it still feels like a failure, how much it still really deeply affects this sense of self and trying to understand who am I now. And realising, I'll never go back to the person I used to be. Reclaiming that person I was, what, for me, 20 years earlier from before I met and married my, my husband at the time, that's just huge to try and understand that while you're also parenting and helping your children through that process of grief. How do we do that?
1: Oh, it's pretty messy. <laughs> And I think please I think accepting the mess of it is is important and you're not going to get it right all the time mm-hmm. and it's not going to be perfect um I didn't touch on the grief and the sadness that I felt at separating and divorcing and a marriage ending and look I still look at me I'm still getting a little bit emotional about that um, I probably don't yeah. revisit that a bit like you I don't revisit that very often but there was deep grief and deep sadness and my kids were you know I said that they were used to him being away they were but they were also used to us being together when he came home so processing yes processing that was pretty hard and raw Um, and I I think you're right we don't do those major transitions well we do the celebration well but when things don't go according to we don't do the unpacking and the unravelling and the grieving um, well. And yet there is still so many layers of guilt and failure when a marriage ends. And I think Mm -hmm. that's especially so when there are children involved because we're still sold that bullshit happy ever after. You find your person, you get married or live together, buy a house, get a dog Have the children, and you will live happily ever after. And that is not the case for all of us. So, really, Mm -hmm. I think releasing ourselves from the pressure of it has to be this way. You know, it doesn't. Eva turns 21 on Wednesday, we're all going out for dinner together Michael, me, the two kids, their partners, their cousin. We're all going out to dinner together, and we've done that for almost every single birthday of our kids since separation. so I look at I look at our divorce and our separation and while yeah, it's sad, and I have reflected even just most recently, oh I wonder if, what if, but I'm reflecting from a position of fifty three years old, lots of life experience since our separation under our belts, so I can't go back and and change it. There is You can't continue to go what if. So it's about looking forward and reorganising our family so that it works for all of us. It allows me to be who I need to be, who I want to be. It actually allows me to be a really powerful woman, which I couldn't have been in that iteration of relationship, in that iteration of motherhood. Um, And so I think for me... Being a single mum was the best way for me to be a mum.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a very powerful thing to say. Can we talk a little bit about um, this process of re-establishing a sense of family? Um, you know, between you and Michael and your children and now so much further down the track how you're celebrating her 21st together and what you're all still able to do that together. I shared on your podcast when I was invited to speak to you about my process of going through separation and divorce, I shared with you on your podcast that... Um, I very quickly jumped to this idea of conscious uncoupling and we're going to be best friends and we're all going to still do all of these things together. And on reflection, I jumped from shock, way past grief and sadness, just went like as if I was skimming the water like a pebble. I was like, oh, that's a bit sad. Oh, that's a bit sad. Okay, but now we're going to land over and we're still going to be One beautiful big family, we're just going to be in two different houses, this is going to be amazing and what a great opportunity. And then 12, 18 months later, crash landed into, oops, didn't really process that properly. I bet you see this a lot in the women that you work with, that the sadness, the ending, the grieving is so painful and we do want to quickly skip through that to get to the point where we're all having family dinners together still or we're able to do this more happy experience together. (sighs) How do we support ourselves through the processing? On reflection, I don't think I could have done it any differently. I see now I had to just touch that at the time. Oh, see, there's the emotions. I couldn't have, I didn't have the space or capacity to go any deeper at the time because I had to make decisions. We had to get a house, we had to move, we had to support the kids. It wasn't until later that I was able to get deeper into it. Um, I think, on reflection, I think that I did what I had to do at the time and when I was able to go deeper, I did. But I would love to hear your thoughts on that as you support so many women through this process um i know there's no formula of doing this i know there's no perfect way but i do think we sometimes skip through those really painful parts both because we have to and both because we don't want to go there it's too hard so what do we do with that
1: (laughs) as you said there's no There's no perfect way and every way, every woman's way through this is unique and different, Um, but they're definitely common threads. Um, I'm going to just reflect personally. I think I'd done a lot of grieving and I'd been through a lot of Mm. sadness and I'd caused Michael a lot of sadness prior to the final decision. So for us, the final decision was something of a relief. If that decision is out of one's hands or comes as a shock, the process is really quite different. I don't think you can consciously uncouple if you're in that situation. Um, yeah. And I think it's very common to go into God, so true. action mode. Like, we've got to get shit done here. There are big decisions to make. There are big things to do. We need to tell the children, find a place to live. Someone needs to find a place to live. So I think you just go into that action mode. Um, so your, the experience that you describe for yourself is really common. You get the things done and then you take a breath and think, oh, wow, now I have to go deep or I, I am actually just dumped deep. I'm not having a choice here any longer. that's it um and that can come 6 12 18 months later it can come a whole lot later um so how the how is lots of (laughs) self-compassion lots and lots of self-compassion and i think one one really difficult but also really helpful thing about separation with children is that you do end up with chunks generally not always i should qualify that a lot of single mamas end up with chunks of time where they are by themselves, and that can hit really, really hard, and it is often when you are quite unceremoniously dumped down in the depths of grief, <laughs> sadness, pain. <laughs> um, let me just raise your hands. Yes, yes, we're both saying. Yeah, um,
0: that's right. I was putting my hand up for those that are listening instead of watching.
1: <laughs> and... then you don't get a choice. You actually need to take the time. So if that's happening to you, create space in your kid-free, child-free time to fall apart. Build the supports around Mm -hmm. you but allow yourself that time and space. Yeah. Don't don't wallow there for the entire time that the children are with their other parent, their other mum or their other dad um but that's when it, yeah. that's when i suggest allowing allowing it start the processing um yeah
0: yes i totally agree with that and i would add not that this is you know meant to sound like an ad for coaching But to find someone in that period of time who you can talk through with because I also found if I can share one more personal reflection is by the time I was dumped into that space of, oh, my God, now I'm feeling it all, um, I felt like I couldn't talk to my friends about it anymore because it was 18 months ago. You know, it was like and also they all thought I was doing great and everything Mm -hmm. seemed okay on the outside for so long. And so I found myself, which is so often what we do as women, is tell ourselves, I should be over this by now. They don't want to hear me talking about this. I should be. I should be. I should be. And so it was really important for me to find a space and a place and a person that I could feel completely free to go back to the beginning and go through it all step by step and process it in a better way. Um, And so just saying that again to everybody listening that um, when you land in that space of, oh, my God, it's all just caught up with me, wherever that is, eight days after or 18 years later, I think finding a space where you feel free to be as messy and raw and relive it all and do whatever you need to do to be able to process
1: it is really important. Of course I'm going to agree with you and that can be a coach, it can be a therapist, it can be a psychologist and it still can be a friend. Um, so for any mum who is thinking it's 18 months, it's 18 years since, those friends will still listen. They will be there. So, yeah, absolutely find someone, anyone, but a, a safe space to go all the way back to the beginning and process all of it is so important, so important, because if you're going to carry it with you and that is going to impact your capacity to show up as a woman in the world but also to show up for your kids. I always say to you, your kids are learning from you the way you move through your separation and divorce. Of course they're learning from you every day, every moment, but they're learning from you and this is a beautiful opportunity Yes, for you to process stuff for yourself, but also to show them how to how to do hard things, how to deal with really painful, um, a, you know, really a really painful experience in life, and that it's okay to feel that, it's okay to be messy, it's okay to not know the answers. Um, and so, if you want to model that for your kids, you've got to model that for yourself too. You've got to extend that compassion that you would extend to your kids while they're navigating their grief and sadness around your, your separation divorce. Extend the same compassion to yourself.
0: Yeah, that's so I'm true. We're not
1: good at doing that as mummers.
0: We're not, and especially because we don't want to add to their own sadness and grief. Um, but it's important for... Um, it's important for that honesty and vulnerability, but also, as you said, to role model in a way how to process hard things, how to move through it, how to look after yourself through it, how to not hide your emotions or sh- shove things down, but deal with them in a healthy way as best as possible. I just think on reflection, and again, not just from my own experience, but from all of the different stories I've heard from mothers over the years, you know, matrescence, this, this transformation of ourselves as women through this experience of motherhood is never just the experience of becoming a mum. It is the change in our relationship. It's the change in our career. It's the change in our friendship circles. It's the change in our freedom in all these different ways. And my goodness, if we could just understand that messy, beautiful process, as you called it right from the beginning that it is both messy and beautiful and sometimes relationships don't survive it and sometimes they do. But, God, if we could just be kinder to ourselves about the process, it would be different. In, in Whether we would have the same outcome or not, it would be different in the compassion and grace we give ourselves.
1: Absolutely. Um, I would love to go back yeah. to that young mum and just wrap her up in a hug and say, it's going to be rocky, it's going to be messy, it's going to be wild, it's also going to be the most beautiful thing you do. There's shedding, there's sadness, there's loss, there's grief, but there's so much growth. Yeah, how beautiful would it be if that, yeah, if that was available to all of us as young mums?
0: Oh, that's made me emotional. I agree. I would love to go back to that version of myself too. And the beautiful thing is we can still do that. We can do that for ourselves now in our minds, in our journals, in our meditations, with a therapist, with a coach, and go back and tell ourselves it's beautiful, it's messy, it's going to be endings and beginnings, but you're going to be okay. It's going to be the making of you. (sighs) Thank you, sally Ann. It was beautiful. Thank you for your wisdom and what you do with these women who are seeking support in this way. Thank you for sharing your story with me and for all of us.
1: Thanks so much, Amy. Beautiful to share this with you.
0: No matter what stage you are in in your relationship, Mama, I hope this conversation has given you peace of mind, comfort and inspiration. It's tough. It's tough being a Mama and a parent and a dad and honouring each other and how it's changing you at the same time. I hope you can give yourself compassion for this and reach out for support if you need. Please go to the show notes to read all about sally Ann's work and let both of us know how this interview landed for you. Be kind and compassionate to yourself. Until next week, satnam.